Show your sweetest smile. Hallelujah. Pastor Gary was sharing a while ago. If the Lord asked him, what would he change? And you heard what Pastor Gary answered. But while he was saying that, the Holy Spirit is asking me as well. And just like what Pastor Amanda said, my answer is that, Lord, lead us every time we stand up. Put words in our mouth. Amen. I'm going to lead the communion today. But let's just obey the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Um, I have a little bit of a exhortation here. And let's just put weight on everything that was mentioned earlier today. And let's just flow with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's open our Bible in Amos chapter 3 verse 7. And I believe everyone or most of us has memorized this verse. It says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. Amen. I'll read it again. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. Is everything happening in the world right now or every event happened? Have you heard the prophets telling us ahead of time? Most of them, yes, right? It depends on our association with who the prophets we are associated with. Amen? And I, for myself, and I believe Pastor Gary and Pastor Amanda, we believe that Brother Sadu, he came here last February, and we believe that he is one of God's end-time prophets who would tell us ahead of time what the Lord wants us to know. And although I've been a bit skeptic with Brother Sadu before when I've known him, but I just want to share one, one um, event that happened. That's where I truly believe in him. We were in a conference and he was ministering to the whole congregation. And that congregation is around 12,000 in a stadium. And I was there, one in the bleachers, sitting down there. And uh, he was praying for each one of us, or praying for the whole congregation, particularly the young generation. And all of a sudden, I felt something like there was a liquid poured on my head. So when you feel something that is dripping, you know, it fell on the top of your head, and it drips down to your neck, you would feel that. So I thought, is, is, it, is, it, is the roof leaking that hits me? So I tried to touch it. How come it's so dry? But I felt there was something that was poured out of my head and dripped down onto my neck. And when I was searching for that behind my head, Brother Sadu said, 
I see the Lord. He is pouring oil to some of the young generations here with an oil. So I felt it before he said it, and that confirms what's mm. going on in the spiritual realm. That's just one example how I prove that the Lord truly has called Brother Sadhu in these last days as a prophet. And we were in Jerusalem last June, and the Lord, through Brother Sadhu, delivered a word. The specific word through Brother Sadhu last June is that persecution is coming. Mm-hmm. Persecution is coming. And it will start in Israel. That was in June this year. And what happened after four months? This October? Truly it started. Persecution started with the Jews and it started in Israel. And you, you will see the reflections, the effects in other countries. Jews are being, you know, you can see the news. And you know what's next? Persecution of the Jews. And you know what's next? Mm-hmm. Persecution of Christians. Mm. And the word of the Lord, it was mentioned by a prophet before it happened exactly. Those are just examples where the Lord showed things through Badr Sadhu and it happened. I mean, the tsunami in Japan, Brother Sadhu, or the Lord has spoken to Brother Sadhu about it before it was released or before mm. it happened. And earlier this month, October, when we were in Canberra, in that conference, the word of the Lord that was released by Brother Sadhu is that the seraphims are coming to the churches. The seraphims will be visiting the churches. Amen? Amen. So, in my heart, in, in my spirit, if that persecution that was said, that was uttered by the prophet, it happened in a matter of four months. Now this time, with the things escalating on, you heard Pastor Gary last Sunday, he said, if 2025 begins the seven-year tribulation, what do we have in between? What do we have? This 14 months left. The seraphims are coming to the churches. Mm. Amen? The seraphim or seraph in Hebrew means burning, fire. And they are coming. What do they do? They bring fire for purging. They bring fire for refining. <clears throat> Have you wondered with all the names of the churches why we are called call this church Refinery Life Church? 
I believe God has a purpose. Yes. Amen? And the seraphims are coming. Fire is for transformation. Mm. Amen? In our lives, yes, we've undergone water baptism. We've undergone deliverance. We've undergone a lot of prayers. But there are some Christians who have undergone through all these prayers, but they are still going back and returning back to that old ways. This is where the fire comes in. Amen? Some of us doesn't understand. Maybe when we were young, we were engaged with witchcraft. Yes, we repented. We have been delivered. But we do not know that there was a ripple effect. That as we grow, it's affecting our life. We need the baptism of fire. We need the seraphim Come on. to yes. burn that chaff yes. in our lives. Yes. Yes. There are things that we have done in our lives. Yes, we repented. But every now and then, we notice it. How come the effects is still there? Mm. We keep on going back. We tried, we went to every pastor in town ask for prayer, for deliverance. Mm. But it keeps coming back. Sometimes they tell us, just reject it. Yeah, we're trying to reject it. But we cannot still deal with it. Mm. It needs to be burned with the fire. Fire deals with the consequences of sin in one's life. The pollution that sin has caused, it also deals with the demonic in our lives. So the fire burns out hurts. You know those offenses, just like mm. Pastor Amanda said. If there are offenses, it keeps on coming back. You know you've forgiven that person, but it happened again to you and it triggered that hurt, that offense that has to be burned. It could be inferiorities, it could be hereditary problems, it could be sexual abuse, it could be financial issues, it could be, it could be the orphan spirit operating in us, or inherited sins of the fathers, or enemy strongholds in the minds of God's people. Mm. Fire is not for cleansing of sin. It is the chaff. It is the effect of sin that fire deals with it. Amen? Amen. So when the seraphims come, it will burn all those chaff in us. And Brother Sadhu said, one visit of seraphim can trigger a revival in the church. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. When, When the seraphim comes, and burn those chap, then the cherubim comes and brings the glory. Hallelujah. Are you excited? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is his connection with our communion today. Mm. 
Pastor Gary read Jewel chapter 2. And as he was reading it, he skipped one of the verses, mm -hmm. which I want to read as well. Come on. <laughs> Jewel chapter 2, verse 12 to 13. It is a call to repentance. Yep. It says, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rent your heart and not your garments. Mm -hmm. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, is slow to anger and great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Amen? Amen. <coughs> we know that the seraphims are coming. Mm. And this is what we need to do. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart and repent from every sin that you have been entangled with. Because as we deal with sin, all sins have been taken care of. Mm -hmm. And when the seraphim comes, it will just burn all the chaff. Amen? Amen. And as we repent, this is prophetic. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ did in the cross. He died for us. All we need to do is realize and accept that we have sinned. So we need that to take a step and repent and ask the Lord for forgiveness. Amen. And let us be ready for the visitation mm. as the Lord sends His seraphim. We know that there will be revival. Amen. With the intercessors last Wednesday, we have spoken some of the timelines and we know it's coming. It's very, very fast coming. Mm. Amen? Amen? It is right in front of our eyes. And we are not talking of years. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. First Corinthians 11, 27, 30 says, So then, whoever eats the bread or drink the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That's why we need to go for repentance. Mm. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. Can we take this moment to search our heart? Let's ask the Holy Spirit to search our heart. Mm. And as the Holy Spirit reveals sin, let's repent immediately. Can we have one minute or two minutes mm. before we do our communion? Just close our eyes and talk to the Holy Spirit.
Hallelujah, Father. You know our hearts, O Lord God. Holy Spirit, search our hearts. And Father, Lord God, as we have heard the Holy Spirit teach us this morning and exhort us this morning, Father, we ask for your forgiveness, O Lord God. We repent, Lord God, for the things which we need to do, but we did not do it, Lord God. Forgive us, O Lord God. We repent, Father. Father, we ask for your cleansing and forgiveness, Lord, for the thoughts that we have that are not right. For the wrong words, for the negative words, negative thoughts that we just had, even this morning, O Lord God. Father, we ask for your forgiveness. Cleanse us, O Lord God. And Father, we pray, O Lord God, send your seraphims to sanctify us, to purify us, O Lord God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, because we know your words are true. Hallelujah. Father, as we partake of this communion, open our eyes, Lord God. Help us to see where you are taking us. Empower our eyes to begin to see where you have ordained our destiny to move in these coming days. Lord, we pray that your favor, your grace be upon us to make our house in order and be ready for the coming of the seraphims, Lord. Lord, I declare that the flesh of our Lord Jesus Christ and this drink as his blood, as we partake of it, just like you give new strength to your disciples in their eyes were opened. Open our eyes to see the glorious things that you have planned for us these coming days, these coming years, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we lift up the bread? For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's all partake of the bread. Let's lift up the cup. In the same manner, he also took the cup. After supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's partake of the cup. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for your body, for your flesh, and for your blood. And we just claim healing upon each one of us here, Lord God, that are feeling sick, O Lord. Even for Brisbane, Lord God, uh, brethren, we pray, O Lord God, for their healing. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Thank you, Pastor Emil. Is it okay if I have my tea up here this morning? My throat's a little bit croaky still. And whoever's water that is, I might drink it. Seeing you've left it there, I'm assuming you've left it for me. Good morning, church. There must be something on in the city, is there today? Because numbers are down a little. Something about a car race or something like that? Who got stuck on the tram this morning and felt a little bit like a sardine? (laughs) Sophia? So we're changing things around a little bit this morning. We're doing things backwards. So don't fret. Everything's still going to happen. But before I go too far, I just want to draw your attention to these cards. Some of you will, actually most chairs, maybe half the chairs should have these Billy Graham Evangelistic Association cards on them. If you haven't got one and you want one, let me know. Will Graham is coming to this city, Billy Graham's grandson, next June. Venue's booked. It's actually just across here at the, at the convention centre. 29th of June. There is so much opportunity for churches, and you're going to hear me talk about this because I'm on the organising committee a lot, so I'm going to talk about it a lot. There's so much opportunity for us to have training in evangelism and, and you know, how to disciple people after the event because, you know, everyone that gives their life to the Lord over in that building there will be sent out to a church. Their details will be sent to a church the very next morning. In fact, as soon as the event is finished, we'll be entering names into a database. So we'll probably be there until about four o'clock in the morning. So if you want to be involved and you want to know what's happening and maybe be involved in some of the training and the volunteering, feel free to fill this out. The QR code doesn't work. This is an old one. The new ones haven't been printed yet. But if you want to be involved in it, let me know. Fill this out. Give it to myself or even pop it in the giving box. We'll send them off to the office in Sydney and you'll get emails with what's happening. Training opportunities, evangelism opportunities, different events that are coming up before it. And also on the 15th of... November, at Rabina Anglican Church, there's going to be a prayer meeting. I think it starts at 7.30 in the evening. There'll be a prayer meeting for this event, which everyone's welcome to. There's been a few stories out there that's only for pastors and leaders, but it's actually open to everyone who wants to pray for souls in this city. So if you want to be part of that, let us know. We'll send you the details. And if you want to be part of this, feel free to fill it in. They will only contact you if you tick the little box on there that you consent to them actually contacting you. If you don't tick the box and they contact you, let me know or we'll ring the person who does the data entry and sort it out. So the focus for the coming weeks, we've just spent a few weeks talking about evangelism, haven't we? And the focus for the coming few Sundays is the Holy Spirit and how we recognise Him because some people have been in this city, been recognising other spirits and calling it the Holy Spirit and how we recognise him and how we should respond to him. Because if we can recognise the Holy Spirit and he's talking to us, it requires a response, doesn't it? So the theme for the next few weeks is going to be recognising and responding to God's gift of the Holy Spirit. So we're not going to concentrate on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're going to concentrate on the gift that is the Holy Spirit. 
And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. The gift of the Holy Spirit. I might pray for our offering at the end today, I think. So the text we're going to concentrate on, I like that. The blue looks good. I like it. The text we're going to concentrate on is John 14, 16 through to 17. If you've got your Bible, open it up. I encourage you to bring your Bibles to church. <coughs> it says, and I will pray to the Father. This is Jesus talking. If you've got a red letter Bible, these words will be in red. <coughs> Excuse me. I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. The spirit of truth that the world cannot receive. You know, there's no Gary's truth. There's no Amanda's truth. There's no Nick's truth. There's certainly no Anthony Albanese's truth. There's one truth. The spirit of truth that the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The day you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, the Holy Spirit started dwelling in you. John 14, 15 through to 19 are the verses that we're going to work through. So I'm going to read some of these again. It's when Jesus promises us another helper. It says, if you love me and keep my commandments. I think that first word's a pretty important one there, don't you? If. If you love me. If you keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. Some of us as Christians believe that we're on our own. This says, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Then it talks about the indwelling of the Father and the Son a little while longer and the world will see me no more. That little while longer might be a little bit of a shorter time frame these days, right? But you will see me because I live, you will live also. So let's look at what this is really saying if we look at the Greek words that are used. <coughs> the New Testament was written in Greek, right? If you truly love me, love, agapo me, not agape, agapo, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, Jesus says. Truly love me. How are we going with that? And I will ask the Father, pater, and he will, <coughs> oh, excuse me, and he will give you another helper, Paralitos, which means intercessor, consoler, advocate, helper, someone who pleads on your behalf to be I me, which is someone who pleads on your behalf to exist with you forever. Forever is an indefinite long period, it means in the Greek, or in perpetuity, it actually means forever. 
even the spirit of truth. Truth in Greek in this instance is pneuma, breath, the spirit of breath. Remember when Adam was created? The breath of God. The breath of truth, it means. Whom the world, cosmos, spelt with a K, which is the orderly arrangement of the universe. The God of the orderly arrangement of the universe. I'll show you the world. Cannot receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him. <clears throat> but you know him. <coughs> know in this case means to absolutely know. Absolutely know. There is no doubt because you absolutely know. You are aware of him. You comprehend him and you grasp him. What do we do when we grasp, grasp something? We hang on to it, don't we? We should be chasing after Jesus. We should be chasing after the Holy Spirit and grabbing on so tight that we can't be shaken off. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you, which is I will not abandon you. I will not divorce you. I will not give up on you. I will not neglect you and I will not dismiss you. These verses mean a little bit different, don't they, when we understand what the words actually mean in the original language they were written in. I will not dismiss you as orphans. Orphans, parentless. Now, some of us haven't had great parents. Some of us have had fantastic parents. But that should not change our relationship with the Father because He is the good Father. I will come to you, which means I will appear. We should be seeing Jesus. I will appear. I will bring, I will enter now in the present is what that word means. Now in the present, he will appear. And in a little while, the world will see me no more. The world will be spectators of me no more. As a church worldwide, most people who sit in churches are spectators. This says they're no better than the world. We need to be involved in the game. I cannot watch rugby league because I used to play it and I want to be on the field. My knees and the rest of my body says no. But my brain says yes for about the first two minutes. Be spectators of me no more, but you will see me because I live. I exist. The word there is za'o. I exist in an absolute sense with no end, now and hereafter. You will also live. Because Jesus exists now and hereafter, you will also live. How good's that? How good's that? So we all like to receive gifts, don't we? All the children here, do you like Christmas time? You like birthdays when you get gifts? Rosh Hashanah's better. You get more presents, you get apple with honey. Oh, it's so good. We all like to receive gifts. Parents enjoy giving gifts to their children. Children enjoy receiving gifts. Does anyone here not like gifts? Anyone? Just make sure we're all on the same page. 
We all like it when someone gives us a present, don't we? I take a medium shirt. <laughs> Joking. Husbands enjoy receiving gifts from their wives. Don't we, husbands? And wives enjoy receiving gifts from their husbands. Hallelujah. That's good. We got the, the opportunity, the, the joy, to celebrate Wendy's birthday a few weeks ago. And the look on her face with the gift that Michael had given her was priceless. It was worth it, wasn't it, Michael? Just to see your bride so happy. Hallelujah. That's what it should be like. That's how we should receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. People enjoy receiving gifts from their friends. Employers occasionally give gifts to their employees. Occasionally, I said. <laughs> and employees enjoy receiving gifts from their employers, don't they? There are times when we give gifts to strangers. Has anyone fed someone who was homeless or in need that we didn't know? We give gifts to strangers. We actually, we went out for lunch with a couple of prophets on Friday. Friends of ours walk into their beautiful house. There's so much food. I would have been happy for a sandwich. There's so much food. And we walk out about five or six hours later with food and even one of their little lamb ornaments from their garden. They just wanted to bless us with gifts. But God is the greatest giver of gifts of all, isn't he? <coughs> James declared in James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Who's received a good gift? He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Gentlemen, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. There's that word again that Dr. Bruce preaches on all the time, the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. You know, I had, um, I shared with the prayer meeting yesterday, a couple of days ago, there's some, there's some new social media networks that are uncensored, pretty well free for all, a lot of anarchists there. Someone was doing a fast and they'd got 58 hours into the fast and they were asking questions. And I don't normally put too much on. I mean, we, we stream our service to, uh, to these networks because it doesn't matter where the people are, right? If they're listening to the message and they get saved, that's good news. And the question was asked about fasting and I ended up getting these people, I told them about my, my fast earlier in the year. I took them from that to realising they were the light and talking about Jesus in the space of about 30 minutes. People are wanting to know about the light. They're wanting to know about the goodness of God. Let's look at that scripture. Let's look at James 1.17 in the Greek again. Every good, good, meaningful, benevolent, profitable, useful gift and gift here is actually the act of giving. It's not the actual thing. It's the act of giving. Every act of giving that's benevolent, profitable, useful. 
And every perfect gift, which is a mature gift that lacks nothing, is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, the Father who makes light manifest from a luminous body like the glory and splendour that surrounds the throne of God. That's what that word used that we translate into light means. The Father who makes light manifest from a luminous body like the glory and splendour that surrounds the throne of God with whom there is no variation, shadow or shadow due to change. We have the light within us, church. We are it. Many of you heard Dr. Bruce's testimony where the Lord said, take off that garment. And he thought his jacket. And then he thought his shirt. But the Lord was saying, take off that fleshy outer meat coat that you've got on and be the light. <clears throat> Our Lord contrasted the good gifts though, didn't he? Of God with the ability of fallen man to give good gifts to his children. Look at Matthew seven eleven. If you then, being evil, know how to good give, give good gifts to your children, <coughs> how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Has anyone given their child a, a bad gift? Anyone given to their wife a snake? We know even though we're fallen, our nature is fallen, we're saved now, but our nature is fallen, we still know how to give good gifts, don't we? How much better are the gifts that God gives? The only gifts that God bestows are good gifts. The only gifts that He gives us are good. <clears throat> our first point this morning is God always gives His good gifts with the right motive. So those who believe in giving to get, those who tithe because they think they're going to get something back, that's not the right motive. We can expect to be blessed, yes. But we've got to give with the right heart. We've got to give gifts with the right heart. All of us have received the gift that did not come with the highest motives, haven't we? Sometimes when we get a gift, it's almost a bribe. When God gives a good gift, it is always with the proper motive. Always. God's gifts come as an expression of His love. We're talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit here. God's gifts are not a substitute for His love. Many of us have been guilty of that, haven't we? We give someone something to appease them as a substitute for love. God's gifts never come as a payment or a bribe. If you think doing something good is going to get you one of God's gifts, I'm sorry. It's not how it works. For our Catholic friends watching online, I'm very sorry. That's not how it works. God's gifts are an indication of His hope for us. He sent us the Holy Spirit as an indication for his, of His hope for us. We should recognise his gifts as an affirmation of our worth. <clears throat> we really should, shouldn't we? 
we should recognize his gifts as an affirmation of how he sees us, the value that we carry in his heart. So many of us have been down that path where we think we're worthless. Even today, I I know there's people sitting here that don't know their value. You've got to start looking at yourself through the eyes of Jesus. When you look in the mirror, you shouldn't see you. You should see him. God's gifts come to us as an expression of his divine confidence in us. I'll go beyond the gift of the Holy Spirit for a moment. If the Lord has given you the gift of prophecy, not the office of prophet, the two completely different things. If he's given you the gift of prophecy, he trusts you, which therefore means you need to listen, that when he speaks to you, you say what he says. You don't say what you think you should say. Don't try and interpret it. Just speak what you're told. God's gifts are always given and chosen by his wisdom. If you ask for it, he may not give it to you because in his wisdom, he's got something better for you. I think of the picture of, you may have seen this cartoon. There's a little girl holding onto it, a little teddy bear, so tight. And Jesus is standing in front of her with a big teddy bear behind his back. Saying, just give, give me what you've got. I've got a gift for you. As Christians, we're like that, aren't we? We're so tight-fisted, we hang on to what we've got, but we can't open our hands up to receive what he's got for us. That could be finances, it could be anything. We hang on to what we've got, but all he's saying is, give me your heart and give me your obedience. Hand it over. Your hands are open, ready to receive. God's gifts are practical. Has God ever given anyone here a gift that's not practical? God's gifts are good. God's gifts are helpful. If he's given you the gift of healing, that's helpful, right? It's very quiet today. Hmm. God's gifts are good gifts and they're always appropriate. It's our second point today. Someone remarked once (coughs) concerning the gift of money, which came in the form of green $100 notes. The colour of the gift is always appropriate. God's gift of the Holy Spirit to each believer is an indwelling presence as a gift. We all have the Holy Spirit within us. I sense there's rebellion here today. <laughs> I'm not going to call you out, but if, if you've got rebelliousness in your heart as I'm preaching, I want you to stand over here and one of the elders or one of the pastors will pray for you while I continue to preach. God's gift of the indwelling spirit is unmerited. It does not come as an expression of gratitude or as a payment for a service rendered. 
It's unmerited. You do not deserve it. I do not deserve it. The Holy Spirit is a gift of unknown value to the recipient at first. When we first receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, we don't know what it's worth, do we? It's the most precious thing you can receive, but we don't know that when we first receive it. The value of this gift is to the new believer is far beyond anything that they can possibly evaluate. We can just have someone go and pray over there, one of the elders or, or pastors. I'm just going to keep going. The Holy Spirit is a gift of unsuspected value to everyone. We're doing things a little bit differently today. There's been witchcraft in the church over the last few weeks. That's been broken off. Hallelujah. But there's still rebellion. We want to see people set free, don't we? The Holy Spirit is a gift of unsuspected value. I used to frustrate pastors saying, well, the free gift of salvation and the free gift of the Holy Spirit, if it's free, shouldn't everyone have it? No one can answer my questions because we don't understand what it's actually worth. Not a single person who receives this gift from God, who receives the Holy Spirit from God, has any idea before receiving it of its significance. How much better it is to live life guided by the Holy Spirit daily. When we can say to him, Lord, what would you have me do today? As we go through circumstances in life that sometimes are a bit yucky and not very comfortable, that we can actually say, Lord, what do you want to show me here? What do you want me to learn from this? The Holy Spirit is a gift of undiscovered value. Who's discovered the gift of the Holy Spirit and the value of it? We need a few more people in this church putting their hands up. Some of you have been here for a long time. We need to discover the value of that gift. How do we, as a body of believers, expect to see reformation come and expect to see revival come and expect to see a revolution come if we don't understand the value of the Holy Spirit? Some of you have been pleading for decades I know some people on watching online this morning have been pleading for decades, Lord, send revival. But if we don't know the value of it, how can we receive it? And this is true in every instance concerning the gift of the Holy Spirit. We need to understand the value. We need to understand the value of going to church on a Sunday. You noticed in the last 20, 30, 40 50 years, church attendance has dropped. It's dropped, hasn't it? Have you noticed that the churches are filling up are the ones that don't really preach the Word of God, but they entertain people? You can normally tell them from their black buildings, or as Mario Murillo would say, 
their big screens, their skinny jeans, and their smoke machines. Hey, they have a place. But why are the churches that preach the Word of God slowly dying, but they're actually living, and the others that entertain people fill up and draw people? I can tell you when one of those big franchise churches started here on the Gold Coast just a handful of years ago, they didn't get new believers. They emptied out the other churches. <coughs> I'll let you to your own devices to figure out who that is. No one's even whispered it. That's good. The Holy Spirit is a gift of unappreciated value to most of us. How long has it been since you have expressed sincere gratitude and thanksgiving to God for His gift of the living presence of the Holy Spirit within you? How long has it been? Because we can easily forget about it, can't we? Dr. Bruce said to us a couple of weeks ago when we're all at our place, coughing and carrying on, that was a demonic attack in, in, in Canberra, I can tell you. I've never seen people, leaders and two worship teams get sick like that. Within about an hour, everyone of the leaders was not well. It was a demonic attack. The intercessors found the witches and showed them the door. But the work had already been done. But Dr. Bruce said to us, one morning, we're having coffee on our, on our balcony and he said, so have you thanked the Holy Spirit today for letting you feel this illness? It's like, oh, that really hurts a little bit, doesn't it? We have to thank him for letting us feel because what Jesus felt was a whole lot more, wasn't it? This gift is a great practical value gift of the Holy Spirit is a practical gift. This gift of the Holy Spirit has great sentimental value. It can also have great emotional value. You ever found that sometimes in your prayer time you just start weeping? Sometimes during worship you just start weeping? It's got great emotional value. <coughs> and the gift of the Holy Spirit has great spiritual value. Gift of the Holy Spirit has great teaching value. You know, more is caught than taught. This church is about four and a half years old now. We've been teaching and teaching. We don't really preach, we teach. And we teach and we teach and we teach. We teach on the basics of Christianity. But I, even today, I know, I could probably ask half the people in here what the message was about or what they got from it, and they will not be able to answer me. They're on their phones, they're doing other stuff. The gift of the Holy Spirit has great teaching value. I can hear a message, I can read a scripture, Pastor Amel can do the same thing, and we can get two completely different things from it. We might get the same end result, but the Holy Spirit will send Pastor Emmanuel that way, he'll send me that way and we'll meet at the back. It has great teaching value. We need to understand that. 
And the gift has great permanent value. He will not leave us nor forsake us. Isn't that what it said? He will not leave us as orphans. Third thing is we need to recognise and appreciate God's gift of the Holy Spirit. We need to recognise, firstly, we need to understand a lot of what we see within the body of Christ is not the Holy Spirit. A lot of what is prophesied, especially from the Facebook prophets, you know they're Facebook prophets and Facebook pastors because they can't lead a church? They don't have the character to carry it? This is why we took my phone number off the website. What they're seeing is it's not the Holy Spirit that's talking to them. A lot of the prophecy we receive from God, if it is God, is actually for us. It's not to be shared with everyone. Yeah, there's people on Facebook and YouTube right now, they had a dream last night and they're sharing it. But the night before they had a dream and they shared that, and the night before that, and the night before that, and the night before that, Anyone who's having a dream that comes from the Holy Spirit every single night, let me tell you, it ain't the Holy Spirit. How many dreams did Isaiah have? It wasn't every night, was it? We need to recognise and appreciate the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to us. Hallelujah. It's a good time for an Amen. It's not a reward for our hard work. Notice the Holy Spirit isn't in the Catholic Church because it's all about work over there. We love our Catholic brothers and sisters. We hope one day they'll be saved. The Holy Spirit is not a prize to be won. That if I just prophesy more than that person or I just do that more or I feed more homeless people than that one, I will win the Holy Spirit. No. No, if I could just play guitar better than Peter, I'd have the Holy Spirit. No. If I could just play the keys better than Graham, I'd have the Holy Spirit. No. It's not how it works. The Holy Spirit has gifted these guys. And it wasn't a prize for them. Let me tell you, it wasn't a prize. Peter, did you work to be able to play the guitar like you play? And the Holy Spirit guided you the whole way, right? How long have you been playing for? 40 something years? I'm sort of giving your age away a little bit there, but let's say 20 plus years Peter's been playing the guitar. The Holy Spirit is not a prize to be won. Stop trying to win that prize. The Holy Spirit's not a property that you can purchase. You heard me say last week, stop chasing other people's mantles. They're not yours. Worry about what the Lord's got for you today. Not a property that you can purchase. Those so-called prophets in our city, who I'm sure will see this, who are charging for prophecy and charging for healings, that's not the Holy Spirit. I can assure you it's not the Holy Spirit. Those places that have got the rule, well, if someone prophesies over you or prays for you, you should give them an offering. No, that's prostituting the gift. 
That's dirtying everything that Jesus did. The Holy Spirit's not a treasure that you can steal. I might not go too deep into that one. The Holy Spirit is not a treasure that you can steal. You want the Holy Spirit living within you? Surrender. Don't try and steal it from Carolyn. Don't try and steal it from Marlena. Don't try and steal it from Teddy. Repent. Submit. The Holy Spirit is a gift from God to each of His children. Each and every one of you, if you can put your hand up and say, I am a born again believer, the Holy Spirit is a gift to you. To you. And the Holy Spirit's a present gift. Present day gift. So many times I hear, oh, you know, the, the, the gifts of the Spirit, they were for back in Jesus' day. The apostles don't exist anymore. The prophets don't exist anymore. Well, if you look around at some of the so-called apostles and prophets, you can understand why people would say that because they're frauds. But it's for today. It's for today. It's a present day gift. The Holy Spirit's a purposeful gift. You know, he has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of you. Each and every one of you. Now, your purpose may not be to preach the word from a pulpit every Sunday. It may be to pray for the person in the street. It may be to visit the hospital like Pastor Amel and Pastor Grace did yesterday. It may be to clean the toilets. Every one of us has a purpose. The Holy Spirit's a powerful gift. Holy Spirit's a precious gift. I mean, we need to hang on to it. We need to hang on to the Holy Spirit so tight that he, even if he wanted to, he couldn't get away. The Holy Spirit's a personal gift. My relationship with the Lord is actually mine. It's not yours. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit is yours. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Don't try and work out mine. That'll get you into trouble. The Holy Spirit is a personal gift. Which also means you can't give it away. You can't say, here's my mantle, which I've heard so many times. There's a couple of pastors, I'm not going to call them anything else than pastors, in Melbourne who believe they've got other people's mantles and they're happy to try and hand them on to others. You can't do that. The Holy Spirit's a personal gift. And it's interesting to note how the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit is translated in modern versions of the Bible. I like to use this one because it's got the King James and the Amplified next to each other. So if I'm unsure about what King James is saying, I can look at Amplified. You use whichever one you like, but... It's interesting to say, see what different versions say. And the variety in the manner in which this verse, John 14, 16, has been translated provides us with a key to the significance of the gift of the Holy Spirit and how good it is. 
how great it is. Who remembers the day they were saved? Who remembers the day they received the Holy Spirit? Two pretty important days, right? If you haven't received the Holy Spirit yet, we'll pray, and you will. But if you're a born-again believer, He's already in you. The Holy Spirit is called a comforter in the King James. Comforter. Who needs a comforter? I can tell you now, as a minister of the gospel, anyone who's been a minister or in ministry for a while, we need a comforter, don't we? On fire on Sunday, ready to tire on Monday. The beatings that ministers get. I actually just found out this morning, it's Pastor Appreciation Month. It's almost over, church. Come on. <laughs> Worldwide, it's Pastor Appreciation Month. I appreciate you, my brother. <laughs> we all need a comforter. In the RSV, the word is counsellor. And when you get counselled by the Holy Spirit, accept the counselling the first time around. The second time it gets a bit louder and harder. The third time it normally comes with a bit of a smack. A lot like our children, right? Actually, we can't say that. We can't smack our children anymore, can we? Those are all grown up. They smack back. In the New King James Version, the word is helper. We all need helpers. The Holy Spirit is our helper. And the NIV, the word is advocate. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. Here's the go-between. He's the one standing there saying, but God. The Holy Spirit is all of these things, isn't he? He's a comforter. He's a counsellor. He's a helper. He's an advocate. As I finish up, we're going to have worship at the end, but I'm going to pray for offering first, Pastor. God gave the gift of his son who came to die for us. Hallelujah. I can be excited about that. God gave us the gift of His Son who came to die for us. He has also given the gift of His Holy Spirit to live within us, to work the works of God so that we might be delivered from the power of sin. Not just delivered from the act, but delivered from the power. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, talking to... Hmm. I always do a little bit of a if you're not a believer at the end of my messages have you noticed that? that's for the people watching online that aren't saved but it's also for the people in the church as I said last week not everyone's going to make it but we have an opportunity the door is open if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit's inviting you today to come to Him, that you might receive the gift of forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. I mean, forgiveness is awesome, right? But the gift of eternal life as well? How good's that? How good? 
So no one past the first row is happy about that? The gift of eternal life's awesome, isn't it? Up the back there, Rabs. If you've already received Jesus Christ as your Saviour, the Holy Spirit is a gift that you should recognise and respond to and appreciate. Don't take it for granted. Don't take the gift of the Holy Spirit for granted. We need to stop doing that. We need to stop doing that. Let me pray for our offering. Who, who is... Who's ready to step into more of what God's got for them? So most of us here aren't just satisfied, are we, with our lot in life. So let's do something about it. Let's start worshipping the Lord in spirit and in truth. Let's start recognising and responding to the Holy Spirit when he talks to us. Let's start rebuking the other spirits that start talking to us. Let's not entertain them. Let's not entertain them. The Lord's seeking righteousness from his church. He's seeking holiness from his church. We are the church, right? So let's start doing something about it. Let's do more. Let, let, let's be better. I'm not saying we're special. When in God's eyes we are. But let's do better as individuals and as a church. Let's not accept our lot in life. Let me tell you, the world is about to start beating us up again. The weekend before we got to Jerusalem early in the year was Pentecost Sunday. Do you know that Jews were beating up Christians on the steps of the temple? On the steps of the old city, Christians were getting beaten up and spat on by Jews. We know people that were there. We know ladies that were spat on and punched that were there. Imagine what it's going to be like. We are called to make the Jews so jealous of our God and our relationship with him that they turn to him, that they move away from the Torah into the kingdom. <coughs> the world is about to turn on you as Christians. The first interview I saw when all this stuff started happening in Israel a couple of weeks ago. What are we up to, 12 days now? 22. The IDF have finally gone in on foot. The first interview I saw was from someone from Hamas, one of the leaders, who said, and you know, this is a good way to empty out churches when you start talking about Israel. This Hamas leader said, first the Saturday people. This is who they're going to kill. First, the Saturday people, the Jews. Second, the Sunday people. Second, the Sunday people. So their goal is to eradicate the Jews and guess what comes after that? They come after you. We don't need to worry about them invading us. They're already here, people.
Look at what's happening in London. I saw a video from Amir Safadi this morning. Hundreds of thousands of Muslims protesting in the streets of London, a supposed Christian nation. Church, get ready. Love them. Be like the lamb being led to slaughter, if that's what your call is. Love them. Don't fight with them. But preach Jesus to them. We kneeled down in a room in Jerusalem with 550 something other people earlier this year and prayed the martyr's prayer. I cannot tell you how moving that was. Pastor Amel and Pastor Grace was there. Apostle Di was there. Amanda was there. Who else was there? Annie Patty was there. It was so moving that people are willing to say, Lord, if my call is to be a martyr, here I am. Are we willing to do that, church? Because some of the church here have done it. We know people. We, one gentleman in particular from America, his call is to be a martyr. He knows it. Every time something blows up in the Middle East, I mean, probably wrong use of words there, sorry. Every time there's an incident in the Middle East, he asks the Lord, is this my time? Because he's willing to go into those places and preach the gospel. To get ready, church. Let's start recognising and responding to the Holy Spirit. When he says, move, move. When he says, open your mouth, open it. When he says, shut your mouth, shut it. That's the hard part, isn't it? When we actually have to keep our mouths shut and sit down and be quiet. That's why you'll notice some weekends I, I look at Pastor Amanda to see whether I should keep going or stop. But I'm actually done today. Let's pray for offering. As the worship team comes up, let's pray for our offering. The giving boxes are at the front. There'll be a card on some of your seats if you want to give online. Those watching online, details will be on the bottom of the screen. And we'll have morning tea after worship if that's okay with everyone. So Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we thank you for granting us the privilege of coming into your house to meet with other members of your family that we might rejoice together in your love and then we might commit ourselves, Lord, more completely to your purposes for us. Lord, today we thank you for the gift of your Holy Word and we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gift of eternal life that causes us to love you and to love others. Lord, we come thanking you for the privilege of worshipping you with our substance so we can bring our tithes and offerings to you, Lord. Lord, we pray that you accept these gifts and you bless them to the good of our community and our world. <coughs> oh, excuse me. But mostly, Lord, bless them to your glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's worship a while.
display.